Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. In the spirit of reconciliation, the entire team at Curious Freedom acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connection to land, waters and community. We acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders people listening today. I would like to acknowledge in particular the Darug people who are the original custodians on the land on which I record this podcast. Thank you for showing us what curious freedom can look like. Welcome to Curious Freedom Podcast with me, Kirsty Faruja, and friends. And this week, I have my dear, beautiful, real-life friend, Steph Pinto, on the podcast. She is just divine, and I know that you're going to love her, and I'm going to let her introduce herself because I wouldn't know where to stop talking about her. So welcome, Steph. Thank you, divine. I like that word. I'm going to steal that one. (laughs) Thank you for having me on. And yeah, let me tell you guys a little bit about me and what I do and why I love it. And yeah, we have known each other for, I would say, at least six years, only because my youngest is six now. So, yeah, well, I think I knew you before you were pregnant, even. Yep. So it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> we're long-term, long-term friends. And I I love the work that you do. I remember you came around. I remember you came around and decluttered when my oldest was moving out of his sort of little baby room cot nursery and into a big boy bed. And we went through, oh, these hideous cupboards and clutter and everything. And it was just such a weight off. I was like, oh my God, now I'm excited. I'm not like stressed. Yeah. <laughs> <So> thank you. <laughs> So yes, so I'm Steph and I live in Sydney. I have two kids and husband and they're, oh my goodness, teaching me all day, every day about the stuff that I am trying to teach parents about and families. And that's emotional intelligence and emotionally intelligent parenting. And I think the reason I got into it is because I was not the world's most, but quite an emotionally unintelligent kid and person and mum. And as a child, I wasn't one of those explosive kids. If we talk about emotional intelligence and understanding and being able to manage emotions and a lot more to it, but in a nutshell, I really didn't understand my emotions. I had no awareness of my emotions. I thought, well, I don't even know what I thought about them because we didn't talk about them much in our family. And I just kind of put them away and I, I was a really good girl and yeah, a people pleaser and I had great friends, good grades and everything was fine until I got really, really anxious and really nervous about something. It might've been an assembly at school. It was job interviews. And instead of just getting really nervous and having sweaty palms and so on, I went as far as fainting. Um, Pretty quickly, I would faint and my body would kind of take me out of the situation because I was not able to at all really recognize that I was feeling nervous and stressed and anxious 
I just put a smile on my face and I was like, I can do this. Nope. I'm all good. Let's go. Don't show fear. Don't be anything less than perfect and don't need to ask for help and that this is tough. And yeah, so I remember asking my mum one time, when was the first time I fainted? Cause I just was a fainter. And, and she told me this story that when I was in primary school, so maybe I was like 10 or I don't even know around that. And she said, you had to go up on our stage, which is, we had a tiny public school in the Hills area in Sydney. And, <laughs> and it was a tiny, I think the stage was like big giant boxes put together, <laughs> timber boxes. And I had to get up there and receive some kind of award. And she said, you looked like you didn't want to go, but the teacher kind of, you know, pushed you up there a little bit, like lovingly, you know, told you you have to go. And, and she said, I watched. And then you just looked like you weren't okay. And then you fainted up on the stage boxes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, I don't even remember that time. I remember other times at school. And like I said, even in my twenties anyway, so it was something that when I discovered emotional intelligence, I was blown away by this new foreign concept of like looking at and understanding your emotions and talking about them. Cause it was kind of a bit weird and, and silly and childish and, you know, fluffy, awkward, but that led me into being able to have such a better handle on my emotions my anxiety reduced so much. Like now I'm, I'm lucky in that I'm able to speak in front of hundreds of people online and in person and speak about this stuff. Whereas before I would have, yeah, flopped. <laughs> <laughs> so massive changes. I'm, I'm a lot more confident. You knew me, you know, as I said, a few years ago before I kind of, I got into all this stuff and like, I was just, yeah, just a complete different person. And I was a speech pathologist back then a few years ago. And I realized that a lot of parents needed help with their own kids, big emotions and somewhat challenging behaviors, you know, defiance or ignoring or not listening or avoiding and, and just stressful, challenging kind of things. And I thought, oh my God, why aren't we teaching this stuff, emotional intelligence to kids like in the home or, or at school? It would be so empowering to be able to have those conversations about emotions at home, in the classroom, how we're feeling, what's causing us to feel this way, what we can do about it and just normalizing it. I often say having emotions and, and showing emotions is as much a part of being human as having a nose or an elbow or your brain. Yes. It's very human. It's very normal. It's natural. It's really healthy, but we've somehow demonized them and made up these kind of stories and these beliefs that we now, yeah, we, we think they're silly. They're um, awkward. They're not to be spoken about. They're to be dealt with behind closed doors. And that you know, it's a sign of weakness, especially all those stories around boys. Boys don't cry. Boys should be tough. Girls shouldn't be angry. I think I learned that it wasn't okay to be angry. It was um, probably rude and disrespectful. And I was being ridiculous if I was angry. So I kind of, I learned not to be angry, <laughs> but oh my gosh, like, you know, you grow up and then you're a parent and you've got kids who have these big emotions yes. and we don't know how to deal with them. Like it's a loop. So I'm here to break that cycle. <laughs> Yay. And you do it with such kindness and empathy and understanding and wisdom and knowledge. And so I'm so excited. I'm so excited that you, you've got this incredible community that you run on Facebook, which is like got 
90, almost 90,000 people in the Facebook community. I'm so excited and so excited to be part of it and to watch you and to watch the incredible guests that you have there. And you run conferences. You're about to launch a conference. And unfortunately, this episode's going out too late for people to join. But start following Steph. I'm sure she's going to be doing more. And she's always being asked to be in part of conferences all around the world. So start following her. I'll put all her links in the show notes for you to follow and you know you'll see it everywhere mm-hmm. what i'm most excited about though is that you have just released a book chaos to connection and i've read it and i've been recommending it to everybody i know so <laughs> it is awesome and really practical and really easy to read like it's super super easy to read over a cup of tea like you can just like sit down have a cup of tea read a chapter come back to it at any time like I think I read it in a day (laughs) but it's so packed full of gold as well so it's not light and fluffy it is easy to read but full of some really really practical tips for us parents to go from unemotionally intelligent (laughs) parenting (laughs) to being really connected with our children and connected with ourselves even more and so I'd love for you to chat more about the book I, like I really want you just to come on here and read the book to us all but that defeats the purpose of people buying your book <laughs> oh it's so funny I love that <laughs> yeah. yes and we've been here for a little while but I would totally be down for that but yeah I will tell you guys a little bit about the book I actually I did start writing it over COVID. I, I remember that the other day because we're in lockdown during the pandemic and um, I thought I had oodles of time on my hands uh, <laughs> and, and I did to begin with. And as you said, like I write kind of how I talk, like it's very conversational and I like writing blogs and articles. I write for a few different publications like parenting magazines and stuff. And I kind of like reading stuff that would just feel like a conversation. So that's kind of how I wrote the book. And then people have said that it's very easy to read and the chapters are not long. Like you can pick it up, put it down. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess I did that. Like I'm not a technical writer. There is a little bit of science in the book and I'll tell you why, but it's really like, it's the surface level stuff that you need to know. So it's enough to understand about your child's emotions, their explosions or their meltdowns or shutdowns. Or, you know, sometimes our kids will be really (laughs) upset about something we feel is not a big issue and they'll be upset for a long time. Or they'll have this like big, you know, the severity. And we're like, whoa, you know, to understand a little bit about the human brain, the developing human brain, because I talk about the brain being under construction because it is, and and the nervous system as well. We don't know much about the, like parents and educators don't know much about the nervous system because we're not taught it. Like I, I, I always think, why are we not taught this stuff? If you go into a job or some kind of occupation, you know, to, to, to do anything, Usually you have at least a little bit of training. You kind of know what you're doing. I did a four-year degree to be able to go in and treat clients as a speech pathologist. Like (laughs) to to be a parent and to not just have the baby, because I know like I did those prenatal classes, but to raise a human child, like a being with this complex brain, you've got to know a little bit about the psychology child development, the brain, the nervous system, um, and behavior. Like we actually also really don't know enough about what behavior is. We, we kind of think behavior 
and there's there's a big chunk, obviously, in the book about this, we kind of see behavior on the surface level. And we see our child who maybe says, ugh, yuck, when we put dinner down that we've slaved over. We see that as really rude and disrespectful and uncaring and unempathetic. And we see a child who hits their sibling or, or takes something as naughty and misbehaving. And I get it. Like that's how I saw my kids' behavior and other kids before I understood about emotions, behavior, emotional intelligence, and things like that. And so when parents understand just just enough about this stuff, it's a bit of the sciencey stuff, right? They are in an extraordinarily better position to understand why their kids are reacting the way they are, why they shut down, why they explode, why they seem so stubborn, why things are so much harder for them, why it seems like they're picking the hard road sometimes, and also why it can seem like they're not doing something right now that I know you can do. You did it yesterday. You've done it all term. Yeah. You've been able to a thousand times before. Hurry up. No, I'm not going to help you because I know you know how to put your socks and shoes on. You're being silly. So understanding why that happens and, and a bit of the complexities, again, you're in a much better position to go, oh, now I know what I can do to help you and, and help the situation and what I should not do, like what I should stop doing because <laughs> a lot of the time... And I have like, my hand is up right now. I've been there where we think we're kind of trying to fix and help the situation and get in the car or get in the shower or start the homework, but we're actually adding fuel to the fire and we're making things 10 times worse. And that is usually when we see behavior on the surface level and we're frustrated by the silly emotions or our child is upset about this tiny thing. And we lean into using threats and punishments and bribes and harsh consequences. And like, if you keep going like this, we'll say goodbye to the iPad when you get home. Yes. Hurry up or you're not going to get to have Maccas on the weekend. If you keep going like this, or if you do that again, blah, blah, blah. Like we just lean into, we're trying to motivate our kids to do better or to do the thing when really it's got nothing to do with motivation when they're not doing what they should be doing and they're not meeting an expectation. It's actually about the skills that are kind of lagging underneath and something's getting in their way. So it can be, and I, again, I talk about this in the book and, and looking at what is potentially under my child's iceberg right now, which is what's the stuff going on under the surface, under the behavior that I can't see because it's invisible, <laughs> but it's there. And it's making my child poke and prod and tease his brother again and again and again. And why is he doing that? So yeah, when we understand, you know, some of those things might be, let's look at what could be under an iceberg. <laughs> Often for my daughter, and this happened yesterday, so it's fresh in my mind, low blood sugar levels. <laughs> I know that sounds really silly, but it's, I, I call, I say it's to her, angry. I'm like, I'm, you're getting angry. <laughs> it's a thing. Like I've, I fed her because I realized I was like, oh my gosh, honey, you didn't eat much lunch. She didn't like what we had for lunch and we had family over because it was Anzac day and it was like four o'clock and she was almost like flopping around the house like a fish and everything was so hot. Like she literally had that voice on Yep. and, and for a second I was like, Eve. And then I was like, whoa, 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 like switch on. I was like, okay, what's, what's, what's going, going on? on? Anyway, she, we had had a busy day, number one. So the routine was kind of out of whack. That's one thing under our kids or our own iceberg. Busy day, transitions, changes, plans being different to usual. Low blood sugar. So she hadn't eaten much. I made her this little tray of, luckily she likes fruit and I made her a fruit salad and she loved that. Behavior changed instantly. <laughs> she perked up and it can be, you know, my child's favorite teacher has been away for a week. Grandma has been in hospital. 
They've just had an argument or a meltdown with their brother. They're not getting enough attention from us. Yes, we've been working too much or they feel disconnected. Mm -hmm. And so like there can be 10, 20, like these nuanced kind of reasons why our child's a bit more irritable or less cooperative. And unfortunately, because we're adults and we have a fully developed brain, we have access to so many cognitive skills that allow us to deal with things more socially appropriately, more productively. Like I can put aside the fact that I haven't eaten lunch, but because I need to do this one last thing and then I can eat or, you know, put aside the argument I just had with my husband and just finish my work or go pick up my kids on time. Sometimes, sometimes (laughs) we can do that. A lot of the, I think what I love about your book is that it deals with us as well. And helping us to understand all of this stuff about human beings and how our brain works and how our bodies work and how your nervous system works. Cause then we can understand ourselves better. Mm-hmm. Cause I know so many people who aren't connected to themselves and their emotions and absolutely hands up too. And it wasn't until I realized that actually when I yell at the kids, half the time it's not because of what they did, but it's because of that I've just had a fight with Simon or I haven't yep. eaten lunch or I need to go <laughs> to the toilet. Like so yeah. much in my work day, I'll be in a meeting with one of my team members and I'm like, I can't think, oh, yeah. I need to go to the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> and I just need to go to the toilet and then I can think again because my body has shut down its function because it's so busy trying to hold on to <laughs> what needs to come out of me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Like we don't realize kids need, well, all of us, we need to be a little bit more connected to our body and the, the messages it's telling us. That can be emotions, but it can be bathroom needs. It can be um, skin temperature. It can be itches and discomfort, like the tag on my shirt. It can be the seam in my sock. Like I talk a little bit about, there's a chapter called interoception. Um, I think I called it interoception or did I rename that? Cause that was very sciencey. I can't remember. Anyway, it's the concept of the awareness of the sensations coming from within my body. So we are all taught the five senses, which I won't go through, but we know the five senses. There are actually three more. One of them is the vestibular sense. So sense of balance. One of them is proprioception. So knowing where my body is in space in relation to other things. And we know that through joint and muscle um, tension and things like that. So if you close your eyes and you put your hands up in the air or someone rearranges your body, you'll know, you'll be able to say, oh, my hand is pointing to the left. And my, mm-hmm. and you know that because of not, you're not seeing it, but your muscles and joints and things are kind of giving that feedback. And that's sensations from our body. We don't think of it. And then the third one or the eighth one is interoception. And again, unfortunately, we're not taught this stuff. We're not taught to pay attention to the signals in our body. In fact, sometimes, unfortunately, actually maybe maybe more, more than we realize at home, as kids, we might've been told, you like it. It's, it's not spicy, eat it. Yes. This is your favorite. Or it's not itchy, just wear it. You're cold, put a jacket on. And at school, you don't need to go to the toilet. You should have gone at recess. Yes. So, you know, you're not thirsty yet or you can wait. Like I had this conversation with someone the other day. Sometimes Eve cannot wait. My youngest can't wait for dinner, especially if she hasn't, if she's been playing and she's, you know, hasn't had anything for the last couple of hours. And I once had a friend over and Eve was like asking for an apple. It was like an apple or something at maybe five o'clock. And I was about to say, yeah, okay. Cause dinner was, I don't know, an hour later and it won't ruin her dinner. And then my friend just 
I don't know, uh, like absentmindedly or automatically was like, no, I'm sure you're having dinner soon. You can't ruin your dinner. Just, just wait, you know, it's five o'clock. And I was like, huh? <laughs> like, you know, we, we're kind of raised with those paradigms and those beliefs of, you know, you can't eat before a certain time or you have to do homework before you can play and so on. Anyway. So that was one where I was like, no, no, if you listen to the cues in your body and you feel hungry and I know you haven't eaten in a long time, go and have an apple that, that won't ruin your dinner. But I also know like there's obviously lots in the book around boundaries. And so I'm not ever saying to parents, kids can eat whenever they want. If they don't want to brush their teeth, they don't ever have to. If they don't want to go to school, well, keep them home. And like, no, 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 we still, we still can have boundaries. That's quite a deep topic. But in that situation, you know, I can either choose to think, mm, dinner's 15 more minutes. You know, I know you're really hungry, but let me give you like a little carrot stick from the salad. Or I can make the decision to say, yep, I, I get you pretty hungry and dinner's not for an hour. Here's an apple kind of thing. So I think, you know, how are we going to be able to develop emotional intelligence and uh, listen to or, or recognize our emotions that happen within, you know, the butterflies in your tummy or the dread feeling in your gut or, you know, those kind of sensations. We, we can't do that if we don't have this interoceptive sense. And if we're not taught it and if we're not connected to, you know, the lower half from the neck below. So it's exactly what we were saying. Yeah. Yeah. And I, oh my gosh, like literally every chapter I underlined so much and highlighted so much. So please, beautiful, curious ones, go out and buy this book. If you are a parent or a grandparent, give it to your kids because you probably didn't learn that. And that's what, like, I think what I am learning is to have so much grace for my parents because they never learned this stuff. So how could they have taught us what they never learned? Mm. And also to have grace for my younger parenting self. Like I just sometimes get caught up in the guilt of, oh my gosh, I'm such a bad parent. I was such a bad parent for so many years. And just going, actually, no, I was doing the best that I could with the tools that I had at the time. And now I have more tools and I'm just going to continue to get better. And probably in 10 years time, that future Kirsty is going to have grace and compassion for now Kirsty with how much more I'm going to learn and grow <laughs> as well. So this book is so incredible and exactly what parents need at any age, but particularly the younger you read it, the younger the parent you are the better. <laughs> mm -hmm. And there's just so much out there now on emotional intelligence. And I'm so excited. I'm excited for all of us to continue to learn how to be more emotionally intelligent because it can connect to, it does connect to everything that we do, not just our parenting, but our decluttering, our marriages, our friendships, our working, our loving ourselves and being more connected to ourselves. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Mm -hmm. 
one thing I wanted to chat to you about was on reparenting ourselves. How do we go about doing that? And what is that? (laughs) Yeah, let's go with what is that first. So it's really, as you, as you were just mentioning, this stuff is for anyone, any age. And, you know, even if you don't have kids yet, like this is the thing, because you may be a parent one day, if you're not, this stuff is going to impact your marriage and your work relationships and everything. But I think it's when we bring emotional intelligence in, I mean, we were all parented at one stage, right? We had, we had parents or caregivers. And so again, you beautifully put it that our parents or the people who cared for us were doing the best they could with the tools or the level of awareness that they had. And brain scans only came in the nineties. Like that was the MRI, the decade Mm. of the brain. That was also when obviously the, the book called Emotional Intelligence by Daniel Goleman kind of really put it on the map and everyone went, whoa, what is this thing? You know, we only had access to this knowledge in the nineties. So unless you're very young, (laughs) you know, unless your parents were anyway, and then even the nervous system stuff, understanding the different, what we call kind of pathways of the nervous system, the autonomic nervous system. So the parasympathetic, sympathetic, the rest digests where we're connected and we're, we're socially engaged versus the fight or flight, we're reactive and parents like our parents didn't know that stuff. So we have the opportunity to reparent ourselves or go on a bit of a journey of reparenting, which doesn't mean you're having a big conversation with your parents about how awful they did. No, (laughs) It is not that it's, I guess, an exercise or a practice that you can do with yourself to give yourself what you needed, but were not able to access or were not given at the time when you were a child. And so obviously I bring in the context of emotional intelligence and that kind of sort of parenting and reparenting. And I have an exercise in the book, which people can do. It's very simple, but I would just encourage people to reflect on when you were maybe really upset or really mad, really angry. Maybe if you were quite anxious as a child and you didn't feel okay, you were scared. How was that dealt with? What was that met with by your parents or your caregivers? What did you wish that they would have said to you and how they would have met you in those emotions in that big, scary or really angry kind of place? Because you may have had, it's not that bad. Everyone else is having fun. Why are you nervous? Just go in. It's a party. You know, don't be silly. Or you've been to the pool so many times. There's nothing scary. You're not going to drown. Just hurry up and get in. So we might've been dismissed. We might've, you know, it might've been made light of, or sometimes parents well-meaningly poke fun at emotions like, oh, you're being a little baby. Do you want a tissue? And, you know, come on, you know, hurry up. You should be okay. You're being silly kind of thing. So if we want to sort of start filling those gaps and reparenting, then it's about what would I have loved to receive and hear in those moments? And can I give that to myself now, even though now I'm not scared of the swimming pool or the big dog, or I'm not upset about that boyfriend or whatever it was, I still will experience those same emotions like disappointment now with my work or anger with my spouse or my partner. I'm not angry about getting the red cup, not the blue cup, like when I was a kid, but I still have the same emotion now just over different or bigger things. And what, what do I need to give myself now instead of jumping on, you know, social media and scrolling and ignoring and just dismissing it or or sweeping under the rug going, Oh, I think I would have liked someone to sit with me in it. And for me to kind of vent or for me to take time to have a hug and to say, Whoa, this is really tough. That's, that is really hard for you. What do you need from me? You know? So it's, it's a bit of a journey that you can go on, but it, 
takes curiosity, which is, you know, we're talking about curious freedom and that's your work, but also it relates to lots of other things. So reparenting is something that can be really freeing and I think is really powerful, not just for us, but then we're better able to hold space for our kids when they have those big emotions and we change those patterns of how we might just react to them and we can show up in the way that they need, if that makes sense. Yeah. So again, there's so much I could talk about and so much that I just, you know, I want to be like Oprah and go, you can have a book and you can have a book and you can have a book to every one of my (laughs) listeners. So this is my way of saying you can have a book, you can have a book by having you on. One more thing that I wanted you to chat on and not to give away the whole book, but this is something that I think that you could give some practical tips to our listeners, our curious ones, around the neutral narrator. Ooh, yes. Okay. So the neutral narrator is a bit of a term that I coined or a bit of a phrase, I guess. And let me flip it on its head first, because when our kids are upset, you know, frustrating us or something's gone on, maybe they're having an argument with a sibling or they're not getting ready for school or they're on devices stuck on the iPad or whatever. Often we come into those situations as what I call a raging referee, (laughs) which is just a cute little, I don't know, a funny little term of we're raging, we're pissed off, we're frustrated, we don't have time for this. Like, oh my God, it's not even eight o'clock and you're already arguing (laughs) that kind of raging energy. And the referee kind of concept is Often we go in to a situation, could be with one child or, or our kids, right? And we're refereeing it. We're trying to solve the problem, sort it out, right? You give it back to him. Everyone go to your rooms. I don't want to hear from you. Like have a break. Done. Thank you. We, we try and like solve the problem for them. The thing is, this is very <laughs> short-sighted. Like those problems are going to come up again and again, right? We know our kid's brain is under construction and we know that they have developing problem-solving skills, developing emotional regulation skills developing impulse control and frustration tolerance and uh, like a whole host empathy, a lot of those things. So they're going to, they're going to stuff up again. We also may have not fully developed any of those skills. Yeah. Someone asked me the other day. Particularly when we're raging, like that, you know, again, not to hijack, we will come back, but like the whole concept of our brains going offline you know, and that's yeah. what we see with our kids, our kids' brain, you know, like that's why they hate their brother and sister because mm-hmm. they have not been able to access the kindness within yeah. their brain. And the same with us when we're frustrated and, you know, when our iceberg, we've reached mm-hmm. the top level, the is the top level of our iceberg is flipping our lid at our kids. So mm-hmm. just to be clear... <laughs> We're not perfect. <laughs> We're not perfect. And our brains can be reconstructed as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I often say along that lines is we cannot hold our kids accountable for the cognitive skills that they don't yet have. <laughs> we get really frustrated when they are unkind and they're selfish and egocentric and they don't solve the problem in a more mature way, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. They're not meant to yet. And, and it is really frustrating, but they're not meant to. So the neutral narrator is flipping that raging referee and coming at those situations, coming to them with a very different energy and a different understanding and a different lens. And so it's the lens of my child's brain is under construction. I know a little bit about what's going on and I know why. And so I'm not going to hold that against them because they're meant to be doing this. And I'm going to 
coach them through this situation, or I'm going to help kind of like push their little sailboat, you know, through the storm and come out the other side. So obviously neutral is in terms of the energy. We're not triggered. Ideally, <laughs> we're not frustrated. We're like, whoa, all right, there's an argument, like switch on. Here we go. Like guys, whoa, what's happening? You know, so it's a very different energy and that sets the tone for your child or your kids. Like if they see you coming into the situation where you're raging and exploding, it just ends up in a bloody cyclone, like, you know, or a power struggle. And, and it's, it's kind of saying to them when we're mad and angry, then everyone gets like this. And it only gets resolved with the person who can shout the loudest and put me, you know, the biggest person who can put me in timeout kind of thing or ground me. And the no rating part is kind of the, um, I don't know, the crux of it. Um, the meat, I guess, of it, which is helping our kids to solve the problem and kind of problem solve and negotiate through whatever the issue is, the the argument or the, you know, if your one child is upset about something, they bump their knee on their scooter, telling a bit of a story of what you can see happening and helping lead them to make some decisions about how to move on now. What can we do about this? And, and what do you want to say to him? And do you want to ask for it back? Or do you want to sit on my knee for a bit? And you know, we're bringing down the energy of the big emotions. So we're using our body, our nervous system and our facial expression and all of that stuff, our tone of voice to like bring the energy down. We're going, there's no emergency. I know <laughs> your amygdala is saying that there is, but there isn't. <laughs> um, but I'm just using my energy, you know, and narrating like, whoa, I see that you guys have been playing with the ball and Eve, you grabbed it off Arthur and now he's really mad. And then he grabbed it off you. And there's one ball and two kids. What are you guys going to do? What's your plan? How can, how can we work this out? So I'm kind of going like step by step by step. I see this, I see this, I see this. Hmm, what can we do about it? So it, it brings their brain back online because I'm bringing their emotions kind of down, which switches on this prefrontal cortex part of the brain, which is where the decision-making is and you know all, all of the kind of executive function skills they're called. And so then I will see both of my kids have that ability or be able to access the ability to go, well, well, he did this and he's not letting me. And I asked for it first and da, da, da. So we're already talking and thinking and negotiating rather than just arguing and blah, and then grabbing and hurting. <laughs> like it's much more productive. And it's me leading my kids to help them to solve problems and, and develop that kind of muscle because they're going to argue about things until they <laughs> like, yeah, as you said, whenever our brain is constantly... Yeah. <laughs> we still argue with people as yes. adults. So. so if I can like impart that ability of, well, when things go wrong or someone isn't doing what you want them to do, you can work it out. I always say to my kids, there's always a way to solve a problem. And I, I'm sure I've said it a thousand times when I feel, well, I used to feel silly saying it, but now they say it. They're like, don't worry, mom, there's always a way to solve a problem. And of course they're not doing that in the here the moment when they're mad. Like I can't do that. But if we can bring the emotions down and kind of regulate them a little bit, then that stuff comes online. They now know how to start solving problems and negotiating and compromising. And that's just such a better outcome. Like my kids are still young, but they can do that with a little bit of help. Like I help them along the way, you know, that will happen. And then we sweep it off and then I'm, I'm ready for it to happen again. Expect it to happen again is the last sort of little point in the neutral narrator. It's going to happen again. Your kids, like you said, adults, we argue. We've got to teach our kids not not to argue and not not to get mad, but teach them how to argue and teach them how to be mad, like healthily and safely. So we're giving them those skills rather than saying, don't, don't you argue. I don't want to hear that. You shouldn't be mad. That's rude. And blah, 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 blah. 
So I think they're just some really helpful tips in there. That's so good. I think just to brag a minute, like my favorite parenting moment of late was, it was several months ago now, but I had that, like the kids were fighting, they were in another room. I was trying to do work and one came in and was like, and the other one came in and I was like, actually, both of you come in here. I gave them both a cuddle. Like this is, you know, they were 13 and 11, so they're not little, but they're not big either. <laughs> um, but just made them sit in the room with me and co-regulate with them. I made sure I was calm enough and I was in the position that I could be a neutral narrator mm-hmm. and go, okay, what do you need from me? Do you need a hug? You know, I hear you. I hear that you're really frustrated. I hear you that you're really angry. I see, I see you and I hear you. And then I saw them both calm down enough. I could then turn into like, okay, how is it that we can solve this problem? How can you solve this problem? And how can you show love to your sister? How can you show love to your brother? And I asked them both what that would look like for each of them. Like, I was like, Ollie, what would love look like for you in this moment? Emily, what would love look like to you in this moment? and get them both to be able to communicate for themselves what that looks like. But they had to be calm. Yeah. And you cannot do that. You cannot do any of that when the emotions are running high and they're frustrated or mad or anything. Like I I say, when emotions run high, your logic, your language offline, it's low, it's offline. If I'm arguing with my husband, do you think I can come up with any rational ideas or I'm just like, well, you like (laughs) all you have to do, like, even if you don't do the narrating, those steps co-regulate as in lend your calm regulated nervous system to them. Hugs. What do you guys need? Come here. Oh God. I see it. I know you look really mad too. Yeah. No, that isn't fair. Even just bringing down their emotions and calming that you're switching on that logical, rational problem solving part of their brain where they can express and access their language and articulate. Well, I guess I did take it first, but then he, he called me this and you know, that stuff, the, the more sophisticated thinking comes online and you've kind of done all you need to do. Sometimes that's enough, but yeah, we just often don't, we don't think to do it or we don't have the time or it's easier or in that habit of solving the problem for them quickly by elevating thrown out a threat or, or a punishment. And that just feels yucky for everyone. <laughs> I mean, I love the work that you do because emotional intelligence, as I keep saying, helps us so much. Like we can talk ourselves down off the ledge by like mm-hmm. going, actually, what do I need right now? I need to take a couple of breaths. I need to put my feet on the ground or I need to lie down. I need to, you know, like how do I calm down enough to think through what it is that I actually need in this moment? Do I need to cry? Do I need to reach out to a friend to download onto them? Do I need to go for a walk? Do I need to play some music? Do I need to get up and dance? Do I need to, you know, whatever, whatever. (laughs) Do I need to give myself a half a day or a day off? Mental health days are like, oh, you need a mental, you know, I, I think we need to give that stuff or encourage our kids to maybe allow them to not be okay and to need a day or to need time or to say, you know what, don't worry about homework tonight. You've had a huge day, you know, 
I think that's being respectful and responsive to the changes and the fluctuations in our kids and their nervous system and their iceberg. Like if I've had a huge shocker of a day, do you think I come home and still cook a three course meal and get all the kids homework done and, and tidy up and do the ironing? No, I'm like, babe, I'm getting takeaway. Yeah, go, go for it. Like, let me bring you dinner on the couch. Yeah. We adjust our own expectations for ourselves on those kind of days. Why can't we do that for our kids? And why can't we do it for ourselves? Because sometimes we don't, because we've been programmed for so long to be the good girl, to be mm-hmm. the always loving, always kind, but never turn it in with. Yes. Exactly. Oh my gosh. So much more that we could talk about. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Tell everybody where they can connect with you because you love connection. <laughs> <laughs> I do. One of the easiest places is my website, which is just stephaniepinto.com. And the other great place is my Facebook community called Let's Raise Emotionally Intelligent Kids. I'm on YouTube and I think I'm on Pinterest. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, like those kind of places, but I think those two, the main ones I'm and Instagram, but the main one is Facebook. That's where I'm putting a lot of my content and, you know, a lot of posts every day. And in that community, people will post their questions. My child has just started doing this and what do I do? And so it's really supportive. Yeah, it's growing. I, I think parents just need, they, they want this support. It's not about me. It's about, this is the stuff that is stressing us. And oh my God, there's a place where I can get some help. So Yay. <laughs> yes. And as you can hear, Steph is just so kind and lovely and she just pours into her community so beautifully and is always thinking up new ways to serve and connect with you. So in case you couldn't tell, I love and adore her and I want everybody to <laughs> read her book and to follow her. So go and get the book. It's called Chaos to Connection and we'll put a link in the show notes for you as well. And Yeah, and I actually just remembered if when this episode goes live on the Friday, there will still be a couple of days left where parents can join and access the parenting conference that I am co-hosting with a friend. And so what we might do is also just put the link in the show notes. It's yep. c2cparentingconference.com because it's Chaos to Connection Parenting Conference. <laughs> but you can jump in there and you'll still be able to access the sessions and watch replays. And yeah, the book is From Chaos to Connection. So that's on Amazon. You can get it in any country where Amazon is. <laughs> Thank you, Steph, firstly, for being a beautiful friend to me. And second of all, and most importantly, is doing your beautiful work in the world and really wanting to see change in this generation of parenting and for our children. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, You're so welcome. And right back at you times 10, because I don't know, I just, you guys can't see what I've been grinning this whole time because I'm like, it's Kirsty and I get to just chat and you're so open and authentic and like anyone who needs anything, you're there to help and to be, to even just lend an arm or a hug or an ear. And um, so I love that about you. And thank you for letting me come on and waffle on about the stuff I love. (laughs) It's been a joy. Well, I can't wait to be back in your ears again next week. And until then, have a beautiful, emotionally connected week. (laughs) Bye. Bye.